The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you so much to all of you who are listening to uh, us today on Spirit of Recovery. I'm really glad you're listening. I love getting your comments by email and on Facebook, and I really appreciate you participating. Um, get on our Facebook wall and post your comments. We're a new program for the fall season on Unity FM, and we just hope you keep spreading the good word about our program to everybody you know that's in your recovery circles, your unity circles, whatever communities and friendship circles you're part of. Let them know about Spirit of Recovery, because we love talking about this topic. Every week we're talking about things that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, and who are innovative People that are in recovery themselves, who write about recovery, or who are working with recovering people. And they're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that are getting you thinking. Spirit of Recovery is a very welcoming place, and we're glad for you to be a part of this community. If you are a person in recovery of any kind... If you're a family member or a friend of somebody with the disease of addiction, or just if you're simply a person that wants to learn more about the process of recovery, we welcome you and we welcome your participation in our discussions. And again, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. I am a Unity Minister and I'm trained in addiction counseling. My ministry is Soul Matters. It's a consulting ministry and I'm a professional resource for spiritual communities people in recovery, and counseling professionals. And also, in my circle of love and friendship, I've got many people that have the disease of addiction. And those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development almost 30 years ago. My walk is an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and it's transformed my life keeps me growing in ever greater ways, and so I am so delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, and also I'm eager to hear what your experiences are with spirituality and recovery. Today I want to say a very big thank you to Hazelden Foundation. They have donated um, a, a bo- big box of books to Spirit of Recovery, Hazelden published books that are excellent uh, titles, fascinating, interesting, keep you growing kinds of titles. And we have those to give away each week to give away a book to you um, as you call in or email us in. Today we're going to have a drawing, so you don't have to have a comment or a question. Just email me at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or give a call into the studio and put your name in and we'll put you in the drawing today. And our book today is by my guest, Mel B. It's a meditation book published by Hazelden 
called Walk in Dry Places. And so if you call in um, either with a question or not, um, just call in or email in and we'll put you in the drawing and you'll win the beautiful book by my guest Mel and also has a Unity bookmark in it. So today we are talking about Walk in Dry Places, which is the title of Mel's book. And uh, we're going to be talking about learning to live. Joining me today is my guest, Mel B., And Mel lives in Toledo, Ohio. He's lived there since 1972. And Mel is a writer. He's written um, many books in many different areas. And the one that is of the most interest to us, of course, today is that he's written a lot about recovery, and he's an AA historian. Mel's been retired since 1986. He was in public relations for a major corporation headquartered in Toledo. But also... Again, most important to us, Mel is a recovering alcoholic and a longtime member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mel told me that he just celebrated 60 years of sobriety on April the 15th. And also, he is a Unity student of long standing that he and his wife uh, read Daily Word, Unity's inspirational daily magazine. He said they've been reading it every day for 30 years. And so Mel has uh, written many books anonymously on uh, recovery, honoring the Alcoholics Anonymous traditions of anonymity. He's written, uh, he contributed to the AA authorized biography of the co-founder Bill Wilson called Pass It On. And he's also written, published by Hazelden Ebby, the man who sponsored Bill W., New Wine, The Spiritual Roots of the 12-Step Miracle, My Search for Bill W., and of course the book that we're giving away today, Walk in Dry Places. And Mel has also contributed more than 50 articles to the Grapevine, which is the International Journal of AA. So Mel, welcome. So glad you're here with us today. Hi, Anna. I'm glad to be on your program. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, and you've got so much to share. You've got such a rich personal history, as well as being a historian uh, for the recovery movement. So I really appreciate you being here, and I know you've got lots to share with our guests. So tell us how it all got started for you, Mel. How did you get sober? Well, I just uh, I, I discovered alcohol at a very early age. I grew up in Nebraska, northeast Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of troubles growing up. I wasn't a very well-adjusted person, I guess you would say. Didn't do well in school, didn't get along well with people. And when I discovered alcohol, I thought it was the answer to all my problems. Uh, When I drank, uh, I was just a different person living in a different world and floating on a magic carpet, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, my troubles came rapidly. I served in the Navy during World War II. I'm now 85, by the way. Congratulations and, uh, on that. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, For an inspiration. I uh, was in the Navy out in Seattle just after the war. Oh, really? And I think uh, I cut quite a swath out there. I don't think uh, I'd still be welcome in some places in Seattle, or at least I feel like that. Well, I'll remember but, that when I drive up to Seattle. I won't. I won't mention your name then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being thrown out of a hotel, the Olympic Hotel. Oh. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's still in business or not. I don't but know. With many customers like me, they'd soon be out of business. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, I had trouble. Went to jail. Couldn't hold jobs. Couldn't mm-hmm. get along with people. Mm-hmm. Had blackouts and that sort of thing. Got in fights. Never was a good fighter, always got beaten up, uh-huh. and uh, got rolled a few times. Uh, anyway, uh, I made my first pass at AA in October of 1948. I was living out in Ventura, California. Uh-huh. There had been a lot of publicity about AA. Uh-huh. Gosh, anybody who didn't know about AA in 1948 wasn't reading newspapers or magazines, right. because everybody had written some gee whiz articles about what a great fellowship this was. Mm-hmm. And so I got in touch with AA, and it took me 18 months to uh, establish what I hope has been permanent sobriety. I stayed sober the first five months, had a great time in AA, and it really worked well, but uh, I was young, 23 then. I guess I didn't think I was like some of these older drunks. Went back to drinking, and then I had three months of staying sober, what we call white-knuckle sobriety, we are not going to meetings, but just kind of 
toughen it out, and that didn't work. And I finally wound up in a state hospital in my hometown in Nebraska, northeast Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I got back into AA, and I've stayed in AA ever since. I still go mm-hmm. to four or five meetings a week. Mm-hmm. I know today I need AA just as much as I did the day I took my last drink. I'm very devoted to AA, and I think it saved my life. Mm-hmm. And it also changed my life in many ways. It gave me spiritual principles to live by, which I think are very compatible with the unity teachings, by the way. My wife and I go to the unity church here in Toledo. And as you said, uh, we use the daily word probably more than 30 years, probably 40 or really? so. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it's, for me, for us, it's the best meditation book around. But there are others that are good. Mm-hmm. The early AAs used one called The Upper Room. Huh. I think that might still be published, and I, I I believe it's a very good meditation book, and there are others. Right. And then uh, we also use my own meditation book, A Walk in Dry Places. Yes. Sometimes uh, we'll read one, one page, and my wife will say, hey, that fellow's got some good ideas. Why don't you follow him yourself? Uh, <laughs> right. That, that kind of thing. Right. Sometimes it's easier to to write things than it is to live in it, right? Right. Yeah. But it's all it's all part of it. It's all part of it. Yeah. So how did you get uh started in Unity then? It sounds like AA got you into spiritual principles to begin with, but but you're also in Unity for a long long time. So how did that happen? Well, in uh in early 1950 or in 1950, I'd moved out to Michigan, to Pontiac, Michigan. And at that time, now you uh these books usually aren't sold at AA meetings anymore, but I was introduced to the Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox, mm-hmm. which I think is just the best thing ever written on the Sermon on the Mount. I still read that book today. Mm-hmm. And the book did a lot for me. And at that time, Eric Butterworth was the uh, unity minister in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I never went to his services, but I knew about him. Mm-hmm. And he also furnished literature to some of the AA groups there. And I just started uh, believing in New Thought principles, reading the different books. Uh, I'm, even though we go to uh, religious or uh, unity here, mm-hmm. we would also be open to religious science and divine science sure. and other New Thought teachings. In fact, sure. I took courses out in Denver from the Divine Science Church. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And did, did you do that for quite a while? Was that an, uh, an intensive study that you made? Well, they have four courses, and I took all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them I took out there in two-week periods out in Denver. Mm-hmm. And uh, then two, two uh, I took through the mail. And I think they were very helpful to me. I had dropped out of school, and after I t- did that um, divine science work, I went back to school, and I finally got a college degree when I was 50 years old. Congratulations. So, and, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so uh, one thing can lead to another. We find that there aren't really uh, accidents or uh, what we call coincidences. I feel it's a hand of God working in our lives. Mm-hmm. Jung had a term, synchronicity, mm-hmm. which he uh, made popular. And I think our lives go along that line. We meet the right person. We find the right book. We go to the right meeting. And things work out when we're really trying to find the truth. Right. I know in your book, New Wine, uh, The Spiritual Roots of the 12-Step Miracle, you talk about that a lot in terms of how AA got started. And uh, I was especially uh, noted how you were talking about the whole, uh, with Roland, the, the man that was sort of the precursor to Bill and the precursor to to Bill Wilson and to Ebby, who was who told Bill about sobriety, that Roland, who had gone to uh, see the psychiatrist Carl Jung, and that he had actually almost gone to see Freud, but it he, it hadn't worked out. He couldn't get an appointment or something. And so, what do you see as some of the synchronicity in the founding of the recovery movement? Well, uh, going back to that thing about Jung, uh, uh, I had just heard a man say in a talk, I I had no proof that Roland Hazard had tried to uh, see Carl Jung, I mean, tried to see Freud before he saw Jung, but Freud was the leading psychoanalyst or psychiatrist in the world, 
So it sounds logical that that would have been his first choice. But at the time Roland tried to make the contact, Freud was having troubles with his own health and, and so on. So I think it was very fortunate that he saw Jung because Jung told him that he hadn't been able to help alcoholics or hadn't seen them recover except those who had some kind of a religious or spiritual experience. And he told Roland uh, maybe if he would put himself in line with something like that, uh, it would work for him. And it did. Uh, He uh, uh, came back and uh, got in touch with the Oxford group, which was flourishing then, and uh, got those principles and then wound up meeting Abby Thatcher, the man who carried the message to Bill Wilson, and these all seem like coincidences, but right. they were the right thing happening in the right way. And then Bill Wilson got sober, and after five or six months, he got a business opportunity to go out to Akron. Mm-hmm. Now, Akron just happened to have a strong Oxford group there as a result of several things happening. And uh, his business venture didn't work. He wound up on a weekend very depressed and feeling like he ought to go in a bar maybe just to have a soft drink, and then realizing he was on thin ice. Mm -hmm. So he made some calls that got him in touch with Dr. Bob, who became the co-founder of AA. And uh, it just looks like coincidences, but everything just seemed to work out in the right way through the right channels. Right. Yeah, it's amazing, and and the balance that um, Dr. Bob and Bill W. had with with Bob being so stable and, and such, he already had, in a way, a lot of spiritual depth, and Bill really being more entrepreneurial. It's like it absolutely took both of them to, to generate what became Alcoholics Anonymous and has had such an effect on recovery. Akron was a great place for the start of AA out there. It was a, a pretty good community and uh, had a lot of stability, family values, and so on. I think... Akron, in many ways, was a better place for AA to get started than New York was. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Bob uh, had a home, and Bill and his wife were really at loose ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it just worked out. Each one did what he was supposed to do, I feel. I've been over to Akron many times, and I I get a great feeling over there. Do you? Uh, uh, AA, they've made a kind of a shrine out of Dr. Bob's house. He wouldn't Uh have liked that. Right. And they have archives over there with all the history. It's just a great place to visit. Right. That's great. Mel, thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be starting with a moment called the Serenity Minute, which is the moment that we take every show to focus on a constructive thought. And the thought for today is out of your book, Walk in Dry Places. And so when we come back, Mel and I will keep on talking about um, AA and this idea of synchronicity and what it takes to maintain long-term sobriety. So when we come back, be sure to email us or call in and get your name in for the book or for a comment or question. We'll be right back. Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity FM network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave the five principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because the five principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. 
We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation, and we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles, they cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Most people who consider themselves spiritual believe that they have had a hand in manifesting what happens in their lives. However, few people realize the powerful influence of the physical environment in which they live and work. Join Jill Angelo and Kathy Botsford as they guide you in transforming your current living or working space to one of peace and comfort and gain a greater understanding of how a small change in your external world will create a big change in your internal one. Tune in Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Central Time for Creating a Space of Grace right here on Unity.fm, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity's online radio, bringing you the voice of an awakening world. To join the discussion, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad you're here with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is walk in dry places, learning to live, talking about emotional sobriety and quality of living and long-term sobriety. And my guest is Mel B., who is a well-loved and well-known recovery author and speaker. He's a recovering person with over 60 years of sobriety. But but before we hear a little bit more about how Mel has maintained his long-term sobriety and his emotional sobriety, join me in a serenity minute. As we take a moment to relax and focus on a constructive thought to allow ourselves to be refreshed by spirit within. So I invite you right now to join me focusing on this constructive idea as we relax, allow our minds to rest, to be opened and refreshed. And our idea for today is from Walk in Dry Places. Though I can't see around the corner, I know today that my higher power is guiding me smoothly and safely into my next phase of living Though I can't see around the corner, I know today that my higher power is guiding me smoothly and safely into my next phase of living. For joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I know that you are refreshed and that you have opened your mind and heart to your higher power and that life is good. So now we're back to our topic. We're back to my guest, Mel B., talking about how Mel maintains his long term sobriety and how he creates a quality of sobriety. So this is a good time right now to give us a call or send us an email with your comment or question. Or also, you can just... we have a caller, and who have we got on the line? Caller, are you there? Yeah, hi, Anna. This is Reverend Dennis Skiles from Unity of Livonia, Michigan. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for calling in. We're glad to hear from you. So what's your comment yeah. or question? Uh, well, first off, I'd like to say hello to Mel B., who uh, I was blessed to work with a few years ago at his church when they were uh, doing a transition. Mel, it's good to hear your voice. Yes, glad to hear from you, Dennis. I'm uh, surprised it, it, to hear it. It's great to hear the history again. I, I always love it when you speak about Akron. 
It's just it's one of the fun times that I have when you and I are able to get together. And I can verify that uh, you've been known to attend a few 12-step meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just one well, or I two. Was, yeah. Um, but I, like I did to... have a question. I had a question sure. concerning the emotional sobriety that you're talking about. Does, does that have something to do with the uh, sixth step or the seventh step? Well, I think the program is great for emotional sobriety, but I, you know, use lots of other books and ideas as well as the program. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I think the AA literature is great, the conference-approved literature, but I also use other things that have been helpful, like I mentioned, the Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox. And we talk all the time about resentments in AA, and these can come back just because we're sober, we're putting the plug in the jug, as they say in AA, doesn't mean that we don't have the problems that other other human beings have. Sometimes we call them earth people, you know, people who aren't alcoholics, aren't in the program. But we all have the same problems. In fact, I have a facetious way of talking about emotional sobriety. I, I tell people that I have 60 years of alcohol sobriety, 49 years of cigarette sobriety, and 10 minutes of emotional sobriety. That's facetious, <laughs> of course, but it gets across the idea that we all have problems. Many alcoholics who get sober have a lot of trouble with depression. It almost seems as if uh, the alcohol was a drug used to deal with depression or something to me and uh, other problems. That's what We talk about that at meetings more often than we just talk about alcohol. A person will come in and bring a terrible problem that he's having with work or the family or something like that. But then people, after discussing it a while, people will say, well, at least you didn't drink over it. And that's the bottom line, you know. Even though we have the same problems that earth people have and all of that, we don't have to drink over any of them. Mm. Uh, well, th- thanks, guys. I'm going to hang yeah. up and I'll I'll listen from here. Thank okay. you. Thanks for calling say, in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're most welcome. It was good to hear okay, your thanks, voice, too, Dennis. Anna. Great. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. So that was, was a good question. How, uh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Anna. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was encouraged to write this book, Walk in Dry Places, by a very fine editor at Hazelden, a fellow named Sid Farrar. Mm-hmm. And I guess I owe it to Sid the fact that I ever got the book completed. He also inspired me to write new wine. But one of the ideas of Walk in Dry Places, is it was a kind of a follow-up to that um, first meditation book that got Hazleton in the publishing business, which was called 24 Hours a Day. And uh, the idea was to write a book that maybe older members would lo- use as they went along in sobriety, mm-hmm. and not only dealing with alcohol, but also dealing with the problems of living, and that's what I tried to do. Uh, it hasn't sold anything like 24 Hours a Day. That was a fantastic book. But it's been fairly successful, and uh, uh, I'm very pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an excellent book. And, and I was really struck by what you wrote in the, I believe it's in the preface to Walk in Dry Places, that um, when you had realized that Alcoholics Anonymous co-founder Bill Wilson suffered from depression, and also you saw that other long-term members um, who had been important to you in, in helping you with your sobriety, but sometimes you saw them relapse and go back to drinking or using, and sometimes you saw people that were just miserable. They were sober, but they were miserable. That that was really a big part of the impetus that got you to write at the, um, you know, to write that book. So, yeah. Well, it's this some, something we have to work on is the problems of living. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, if we look out at general society... Most people have a lot of problems. There's problems in many families. People that never touched a drop of liquor in their lives still have terrible problems with their emotions and so on. So this is an ongoing thing, and we're not the only people that have those problems. I wrote to Bill Wilson back in 1956, and he sent me a long letter telling about his troubles with depression. Mm -hmm. And he, he has since been... Well, he's been very honest about that, that even mm-hmm. though he found the answer to alcohol, uh, he suffered from depression. And later on in life, um, 
I understood that he felt that it was even even maybe a physical thing. We don't right. know why some people have depression. Right, and, uh, we don't. We, uh, our, uh, all we can do is find what tools we can find and work with them. And I think uh, the, the new thought teachings that we find in unity and so on, I think they're excellent tools in dealing with things like depression and disappointments. But uh, other... Other teachings are also very good. Not, one of the nice things about unity is that they approve of all religions. I mean, there's no uh, arguing, you know, that we're the only ones that are right and you're wrong and that sort of thing. Right. That's something that I never liked about religion. I don't like it when I see it. Right. Uh, because uh, different people find their answers in, in uh, religion uh, that maybe... We're not comfortable with them, but nevertheless, they find their answers. That's what Jung would told Roland, you know, just find something that works. And I understand that Jung had seen some alcoholics recover in Switzerland as a result of religious experiences. Right. So, gosh, whatever you find that works, hang on to it. Yeah. You know, I was really struck also uh, by what what you're mentioning now. It's, in again, a new wine. And I had never heard this. And I was just blown away and, oh, this is wonderful. That you said that Jung um, said that he, talking about Jung and spirituality, that he deplored the practice of uncovering deep emotional problems without offering the patient much more than his own bootstrap efforts in overcoming them. And that Freud said that uh, people had never yet been able to hold their own against the powers of darkness, that is, the unconscious, that man has always stood in need of spiritual help while which each individual's own religion held out to him. Yes, that's... It's uh, powerful. Jung, yes, Jung, in the last months of his life, Bill Wilson had a brief correspondence with Jung, and Jung uh, sent him a very nice letter where he outlined those things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he even gave a Latin phrase about it, or I forget what it was now. Oh, well, that's Spiritus, um, Spiritum or something. Yeah, that's right. I don't know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a wonderful letter, and that's been reprinted in The Grapevine. It's also available in a book published by The Grapevine called The Language of the Heart. Mm-hmm. But I think that letter, even though it's just one brief letter, I think there's tremendous wisdom in there. It just shows that Jung was really the right guy to be uh, advising these early AA members. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, indirectly, he advised Bill, uh, th- probably through through Roland and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, I, I just don't think if uh, Roland had seen Freud, he would have got the advice that he got from Jung. And Jung, at one, in one of his books, he pointed out that he, that was a fallacy of the Freudian teaching, where they exposed the problems, but then didn't offer some way of overcoming them. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, that would be like a guy looking at your car and telling you what's wrong with the car and then not fixing it, you know, something right. like that. Right. Uh, I don't need <laughs> Go, Go ahead. ahead. No, it reminds me of um, what Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, wrote actually about psychology and religion. He, I'm not going to quote him exactly, sorry, because I, can't, I don't have it right here, but basically he said that uh, religion without psychology was, was blind and that psychology without religion had no power. Um, essentially, was what he said, and, and I think that's very similar to what uh, what Jung was saying and what you're saying. You know, it's a strange thing. One one man I got to know a, a little bit. I went to some a seminar at his uh, his place was Norman Vincent Peale. Uh huh. And Peale in the 30s uh, looked into what Emmett Fox was doing, and then he decided that it was just psychology. Mm-hmm. Well, then, ironically, when Peel became very well-known himself and wrote the, the Power of Positive Thinking and other fine books, people accused him of that. Right. <laughs> so, actually, what he wound up, what Peel wound up with was working with a psychiatrist, uh, and the two of them co- collaborated mm-hmm. you know, at their clinic in New York. So that mm-hmm. kind of fulfills what Fillmore was saying. That you need That's both right. Religion and psychology. 
Yeah. It's incredible. I, I feel so blessed that we're living in this day and age where we're getting that integration. It, it seems like it's what really helps people, you know, what really moves them forward. Well, I, uh, I wrote another little booklet, uh, which is now just being self-published, about the AA slogans. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we have seven slogans that are used pretty much in AA, but one of them is live and let live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost the golden rule in practice. Uh, you, you see other people doing things, you don't exactly agree with them all the way or so on, but live and let live. Let them do their thing and we do ours. And as long as it's peaceful, as long as you're not hurting anybody, uh, it's okay what other people want to believe and do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, what else uh, have you? did you say in that book? I know that they're probably, I'm sure, the things that you write are things that you use, Mel, that, that keep you uh, going in your, in your quality of life. So what were some of the other things you said about the slogans in your booklet? Well, the, um, let's see, first things first. And live and let live and easy does it. Those are the three main ones. Those are the ones that are in the big book, the mm-hmm. AA big book. Mm-hmm. And the Oxford group, the CAA came out of this fellowship, the Oxford group, and we owe a lot to those people and the founder of a man named Frank Bookman, who happened to be a Lutheran minister. Mm-hmm. But um, he was very fond of slogans and sayings and things like that. Well, first things first, to me, uh, we establish priorities. Certain mm-hmm. things are more important, important than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if, if you have a heart condition, for example, it's very important you take care of your heart or nothing else is going to matter. Or... Uh, well, one of my friends in AA used to say, uh, first things first, he, he put his job first, and then, well, wait, he put his sobriety first, then his job, and then his family. Mm-hmm. The thing was, if he took care of his sobriety, he could keep his job. And mm-hmm. then if he took care of his job, he could take care of his family. It's that kind of thing. Certain things we, and sobriety has to be the most important thing for the alcoholic, because otherwise... Everything else falls apart. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people who went back out and they're all obsessed with getting a job or getting the boss off their backs or something else. But unless they get so- sober, none of those things are going to last anyhow. The job is going to last uh, and all the other things. So first things first is really a very important slogan. And then easy does it. Gee, Sometimes they say easy does it, but do it. But the thing is, if we take, if we know that God is handling things for us, that we have a higher power living and working in our lives, we don't have to do all the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say, pray for potatoes, but grab a hole. <laughs> uh, well, I don't like the way that's phrased. I would say, pray for potatoes and grab a hole. Right. When you say, but grab a hole, it's like you're not going to get any potatoes unless you grab the hole. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, so, um, those slogans and things like that, remembering them has always helped me. The, when I get all mixed up, not knowing what to do next, if I just say first things first, a lot of times things just fall into place. Mm-hmm. Helps to calm you down and, and clear your mind and, and get things sort of settled down, it sounds like. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And get your trust in, trusting God and... and uh, Letting, letting that power of God come through you, for sure. Well, thanks. We're going to have another break right now. And, um, Mel, thank you so much for all your sharing. It's just wonderful. And thanks uh, to Dennis for calling in. And anybody, give us an email, give us a call. Uh, just get your name in the drawing for Mel's book, Walk in Dry Places. Or if you have a comment or question for Mel, when we come back, uh, that'll be the time to uh, get that call in. Thank you. Mel, and we love talking about recovery, and we'll be right back. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity FM. Unity is designating 2010 as the Year of the Twelve Powers. 
and throughout the year we'll be providing you with a variety of free online resources to help you apply one new power each month. This month we are celebrating zeal. We affirm, I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. Join Unity on a year-long journey of spiritual discovery and transformation with the 12 powers. For more information, go to www.unity.org and click on the link for the 12 Powers Resource Center. What would a human life based on the principles of evolutionary spirituality look like? Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith and outlook about passionately participating in the next great epic in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Reverend Kelly Isola, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Unity's online radio, the voice of an awakening world. To join the discussion, call us at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad you're with us today. We know we've got a lot of you out there listening. So send us an email or give us a call. Get your name in for the book, Walk in Dry Places, by my guest, Mel B. And um, Mel, we're so glad to have you. You've got over 60 years of sobriety, and you are talking with us about how you keep your quality of life high and how sobriety is a joy for you. So this is a good time right now, friends, to call in or email uh, either a comment or question or just to put your name in the hat for our book drawing. So, Mel, you were telling me that you have self-published uh, a book. You've written so much, Mel. It's, it's great. And this one is Three Recovery Classics. So tell us about that and how that can help people uh, get their quality of life going good in sobriety. Well, uh, when I first got sober back in 50, 51, 52, was uh, really getting uh, settled well in AA, uh, one book that was very helpful to me was As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Mm-hmm. That was written in 1907, and uh, it's been in print ever since. And Unity had a, uh, I think, had it in print for a while. Hallmark has a beautiful uh, edition of it. And there, another one was The Greatest Thing in the World by Henry Drummond. And this uh, Henry Drummond uh, was a Scottish educator, and he was a follower of uh, a friend of Dwight L. Moody. Huh. I would call Dwight L. Moody the Bill, Billy Graham of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he gave this marvelous talk back in 1887, and I think it was printed uh, by Moody's brother-in-law, who owned a publishing company, but that's been in print ever since. And then the St. Francis Prayer, we know about that, the in- instrument of peace. Uh, you probably got a Christmas card with that on it. And... Uh, I thought these three pieces were so important to me in my early sobriety that I have produced a book and with commentary about why these pieces are so important. And it was published 
by a, a foundation called Heinzfoot Foundation, and the actual publisher was a print-on-demand publisher called iUniverse. And what's so marvelous these days is that anybody can get published. We have these print-on-demand publishers. When I want to order a couple hundred copies of three recovery classics, I just call up, and maybe three days uh, there's a package on my front door. Wow. It's amazing. They, they set those things up, and then it's almost like a vending machine, I guess. They just uh, punch a couple buttons, and, and they produce the books. And that's a new thing in publishing. And, of course, that uh, results of just uh, in publishing what you need at the time. Uh, so, anyway, I've, uh, I've produced this book, and I'm really quite proud of it. I guess I had to pay a couple thousand dollars to get it published, but I think I've uh, recovered enough now to... But what I wanted to do was get it in print, because I just think those uh, those pieces were so great. And now... You can pull them up on the internet. They're available on the internet if you want. As a man thinks, just put it into Google. Right. The greatest thing in the world. Put it into Google, and you can print out your own copies. So this is a wonderful thing. We're right. Back to, go ahead. So what have what what is what's in those books that's really touched you so much and and helps you with your quality of life? Well, as a man thinketh, it's see it's you know in Proverbs. As a man thinketh, so he is. That's in the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is the way you think, feel, speak, and act, that's going to determine your life. You can't have one mind, one set of emotions and uh, thoughts, and then have a different kind of life. If you're full of hatred and self-pity and resentments and uh, jealousy and all of that, your life is going to reflect that. There's no, uh, there's no way you can have one set of mind and emotions and and have a better life. It, it just doesn't work. Uh, he starts out by saying a man's mind may be likened to a garden. It can either produce weeds or it can produce uh, good vegetables and fruits. But no matter what happens, it's going to produce one or the other. You're either going to have weeds or you're going to have uh, good vegetables and fruits. Well, if we keep our thoughts and feelings and attitude right... Why our lives are going to be better. Now, the greatest thing in the world, uh, the greatest thing in the world is love, according to uh, Henry Drummond. And this is based on 1 Corinthians 13. That's mm-hmm. that same, that famous passage where, though I speak, you know, with the tongues of angels <laughs> and so on, and have not love, I am a sounding brass. That's Paul talking. Right. And, and he analyzes what the ingredients of love are that that um, Paul includes in verse 13. And these are just ordinary things, like uh, uh, courtesy, and generosity, and so on. Uh, there's about nine ingredients, I think, that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13. And if you try to practice all of those, put them in your life, then you're moving towards more love in your life, more real love. Right. And then we know the instrument of peace by St. Francis. Uh, that's that's pretty well known. And it's just a great prayer. Bill Wilson used it, and he had it in this book, The Twelve and Twelve. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how it kind of relates to AA, the fact that it's in The Twelve and Twelve. And uh, it's just a great prayer to use. If you just want a prayer that in, in your group, just read that, and it'll help help your group get... get uh, settled and get on the right track that's right and thanks for telling us about this mel and and i know that if people want to uh, see more about what you've written and and i think your grapevine articles are i think are on there too as on your website which is www.walkandryplaces.com walk and dry places is like word one word no spaces in between right and and i can even find my stuff on google now that's the amazing thing uh-huh. Uh, that the internet has come along, and gosh, you can just be a guy, eighty-five-year-old guy here in Toledo, Ohio, and still be on, still be on the internet a little bit. Just thank you're famous. <laughs> well, it's just amazing that it happened that way. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it's good. Yeah. One of those things that's not really a coincidence. I think <laughs> I think it's God at work. Well, get the word we, out. 
every person is a child of God, whether he recognizes it or not. And, and sometimes we have a trouble realizing that, but every person is has some place in the in the universe. There's no question about it. And, right. Uh, so, well, hey, it's great being on your program. I see I'm we glad got about you're five here too. Left. Yeah, we've and, got a few uh, minutes left. I, I, I wish uh, somebody would call in and uh, yeah. ask a question. Yeah, I but, wish they would. So it's a uh, we we urge people to call in. So maybe we'll get one before before we go. It's hard to say, but sometimes people yeah. just like to listen. But. Uh, but what you're telling us is great stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, well, so let me ask you about, um, you know, you said that you still go to three or four meetings a week, and, and I think that's fabulous. You've got 60 years of sobriety. Um, but tell us, what what do you get out of going to meetings? Because sometimes people say, oh, you know, I've got a lot of years. I don't need to go to meetings. But you're, you're still going. So tell us what you get from going to those meetings. Well, my regular group is, meets on Saturday afternoon, about eight miles west of Toledo, mm-hmm. in an old country church. I've been going there since '74, since 1974. Mm-hmm. That's what I, we call the home group, mm-hmm. and uh, we have about 40 or 50 people every Saturday afternoon. About two, we meet at two o'clock, and it's just well, when I'm driving out there through the cornfields and everything, I just tell myself I'd never, I'd wouldn't want to be any place on earth than here going to my meeting on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go no matter what else. I, I hardly ever miss that meeting. Then we have a noon meeting here that meets in a Lutheran church, and we have it every day except Sunday. We let the Lutherans use their church on Sunday. That's but good. Good yeah, of you. They're very generous to us, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so we have that noon meeting every week, and we go through the 12 and 12. That's the book Bill Wilson wrote describing mm-hmm. the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And I've gone through it many times, and on the bulletin board we have a photograph of Bill Wilson that I took in 1958, and I like to feel that Bill Wilson is still with us there when we're going through his book. And I just, well, these are my friends, too. I go there. Right. These are These are people I love. And I want to be with them, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, and these are people who kind of support me along the way, and put up with uh, my uh, some of my faults over mm-hmm. the years. It's just great to have a. I I I feel sorry for people who don't have a fellowship, that don't have friends that they can see and talk to about personal things uh, the way we do in AA. I really think AA is just one of the greatest things that ever came on earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so uh, I want to stay in it. Well, I'm 85 now. I I say my doctor said I was good for another 10 years, and uh, so uh, <laughs> I don't know whether he's right or not. But uh, anyway, uh, I want to stay in it all my life. There's no question about that. Absolutely. So it's wonderful. Thanks. Uh, thanks for telling us that. And. Uh, Tell us one more thing here as we're wrapping up. You said that Hazelden's published a new book called A Thousand Years of Sobriety, and it's got uh, the stories of 28 A members in it that have more than 50 years. And I think oh, you've yes. got a story in there, right? Yes, right. There's uh-huh. 20, 20 members that have more than 50 years, so it's really more than a thousand years. Right. But the thing we have in AA is sharing our stories right from the very beginning. That's what it was one member telling another what happened to him and what he had to do to get sober, what he had done to get sober. And so these are 20 people telling about what happened to them and how they stayed sober 50 years. Now, when we had our international convention in San Antonio uh, several, some weeks ago, we had 53,000 people there. Wow. And we had we had almost 600 people who had more than 40 years sobriety. So that's AA incredible. does have staying power, and that's good to know. It's not a flash in the pan. If you really want to stay sober and you accept the fact that you're an alcoholic, you need to stay away from that first drink. AA has the answer for you. But mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's, it's been proved many times. I, when I moved to Pontiac, Michigan, there was a man named Chauncey. And in 1950, he had been sober nine years. And uh, it was a meeting in, a, in a, an Episcopal church. And... In, 19, in 2005, I 
attended a meeting in that church, and he was there. He had 65 years sobriety. Wow. He was in a wheelchair by this time. So Mm -hmm. the first time I met him and the last time I saw him, it was in the same church. And in, in in between time, he had stacked up more than 50 years, 50 more years of sobriety. When he died, he had, I think, 65 or 66 years sober. And he was still going to AA meetings and working with alcoholics uh, right up to the end. That's, so that's incredible. A, yeah, it now, says something. We're, we're, we're going to have to go. Now. Our time is up. I'm sorry because okay, well, you're telling us so much. But hang in there. And, uh, Mel, you've just done... Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for your years of sobriety. Thanks for all that you have written and for everything that you do um, to support recovering people. Um, It's just incredible. I'm so glad that you're with us today and so grateful to all of our listeners. We had a lot of listeners out there today. Thank you so much for being with us. And our friend Dennis, our caller, gets your book, Walk in Dry Places, and I know he'll enjoy it. And so uh, thanks again, Mel, and join us listeners next Tuesday when our topic is Choosing Serenity, Family Members in Recovery with my guest Peggy Kay. She's a unity minister, and she's got 34 years of recovery as a family member. So thank you again for being part of Spirit of Recovery. Keep listening, and remember, you're a blessing, and I am seeing you in you, the joy of living, expanding in, as, and through you. God bless, and goodbye. Thank you. Tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Are you searching for some levity and humor on your spiritual path? Then come join us for Unity Happy Hour with your hosts, Ned, Ogan, and Jim. Each week, these three students from Unity Institute will have a spirited, humorous, and somewhat irreverent discussion about current events, family, culture, and really anything under the sun, set against a backdrop of spirituality and personal growth. So bring your authentic self and join us on Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity.fm, the voice of an awakening world. Anytime a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and reestablish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. 
daily word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give daily word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.